If you are new, we want you to know that uh, we're kind of wrapping things up today. A series called Sweet Spot, The Joy of a Promised Land Life. And we've been talking about how doing life with God is kind of like when you were growing up and you were playing baseball, playing softball, and there's just this spot on the bat where you get the optimal impact. And it's when uh, it just seems like you can't even feel it when the ball hits the bat and it just jumps off and it is just the greatest moment. It's just this great feeling. And it also happens in life when everything just seems to click and everything is going well. It's when daddy's pretty and mama's rich. I mean, it is just a good time in life. And spiritually, we can have these moments as well. When it seems like that our prayer life is just zoned in and we're digging into God's word and we are focused on having our words be the words of, of Jesus Christ. And it's a wonderful moment to be able to experience. But we all don't understand and we always don't believe that we actually have an inheritance given to us by God. And so that's what we've been focusing on all summer long, trying to say, hey, look, there is a promised land. It's not a physical territory. It is a spiritual one, but we each have an inheritance from God where we're more than conquerors and we don't lose heart. It's a life where the love of Christ controls us, a life where we see these different troubles that we deal with as opportunities of great joy. It's a life where we're not anxious for anything and we're, we're praying always and we're doing everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. And so what we've done over the summer, we have walked with the Hebrews across the Jordan and we have been reminded that, that Satan will use people and circumstances as barriers to keep us from enjoying our sweet spot with God. And it's why each day we need to depend on our God's power. We need to share our God's stories of faithfulness. And we need to focus on our God's words. And, and we need to embrace our identity as God's covenant people. And thankfully, the history that's recorded in Joshua's journal there in your Old Testament declares that, you know, our sinfulness, well, it's only part of our story. It's not the only part of our story. And, and life with God is not meant for only the perfect few, but for all the sinners who are desperate to choose him. It's been a great time walking there with Joshua and kind of peeking over his shoulder and, and seeing the way that God worked in the lives of those, of those Hebrews. And at the heart of the messages that we've been sharing is the idea that our best days with God are ahead of us. And it's true, our, our future as God's people, as Christ followers, as the Spirit's inhabitors, it's one of claiming and it's one of conquering because God's people still have a promised land to claim. But if you were here with us last week, you might remember that I mentioned, I mentioned this idea, uh, a French word called ennui. And ennui is a state of listlessness and boredom. And some have defined it as treading water, where you're just trying to keep your head up and you're trying to survive spiritually. But there's no direction and there's no purpose. Now, if you have felt that way in your own spiritual life, Joshua has a question for you today. And he says, how long will you wait? How long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord has given you? That's a good question, isn't it? Great question. How long will we wait before we choose to live in the sweet spot with God? Well, I hope that your wait is going to be short-lived because God has something, I believe, very unique in store specifically for you. So one more time this summer, let's go to Joshua's story. Go ahead, open it up in your Bibles, find the book of Joshua, take out your phone, find Joshua... And we're going to camp out there with the Hebrews one more time. 
As you're turning there, it might surprise you to learn that uniqueness is a very prominent theme throughout Scripture. And it's a huge theme in the book of Joshua. Now, the first goal of the Israelites was to go through and neutralize the enemy kings, the cities, and the armies that were, would stand against and be defiant against Jehovah God. And so in chapter 12, the narrator there in Joshua, well, he lists 31 different kings, different unique kings that had been defeated. And I love the annotation that he places out beside their names. Each line, beginning in verse 9, contains a single name, and then out beside it, it has the word one, like O-N-E, okay? And so it will say the king of Jericho, one. The king of Ai, one. The king of Jerusalem, one. The king of Hebron, one. And it just keeps going, king after king, and it says one, one. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like that they're just kind of ticking off the major battles that have been won and declaring, hey, the Israelites, 31, Canaanites, nothing. I mean, it's just checking them off as they go. It's just a great reminder of the power of God. And they're saying, look, there, there's still enemies in the land, but the major battles had been won, and the promised land was theirs. And so in the remaining chapters, Joshua is just trying to encourage the people, hey, go, live in the land. Enjoy it. Inhabit it. How long are you going to wait? And so each tribe, or if you grew up with Harry Potter, each house, all right, was given a specific territory and or assignment. And so you read about that in chapters 13 through 21. Now you're only going to want to read about that if you're having trouble sleeping. All right, it is sleep-inducing when you start reading through, and it's like, well, this tribe gets this one, and this tribe, well, they get this part of the land. And it's just allotment after allotment and territory after territory. And one by one, the tribes are called up, and they're given their promised inheritance, and each territory was different. Judah's allotment was large, and it was centrally located. Dan's was smaller, and it was over by the coast. The tribes of Reuben and Dan and Manasseh, well, they received land on the east side of the Jordan. And then there was the tribe of Levi. They didn't really get any land apportionment of, of, at all. Instead, they were designated as Israel's worship leaders. And the message was clear. Look, everybody's going to get something, but no one gets everything. So go enjoy your inheritance and stand up to your enemies and build your cities and, and farm your land. Honor your God. This is your sweet spot. What are you waiting for? Go and enjoy. And while reading through all of these unique land territories given to each tribe, you know, I couldn't help but think about how God disperses his people today. Specifically, how he gives and how he sends each sweet spot dweller into a unique territory for the purpose of living out their unique giftedness. You see, you can call it a skill set or a talent or a passion. Call it whatever you wish, but... God supplies each person with something that distinguishes us from one another. Listen to how it's described in Psalm 139. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. Hey, if you had not figured it out yet, there is nobody like you. And your spouse goes, praise God, right? Right? I, I mean, uh, there's nobody like you. And because of this, you can do things that no one else can do in a way that no one else can do them. Sure, there, there are others 
that can teach and swim and, and drive and, and play like you. But you are the only one who can do it your way. See, other people have your skills, but you are the only one who possesses your unique version of your skill. So don't try to be like everybody else. Instead, you be you. There's a little boy named Adam who wanted to be like his friend Bobby. Adam loved the way that Bobby walked and the way that Bobby talked. However, Bobby wanted to be like Charlie. Something about Charlie's stride and his accent just intrigued him. But Charlie, on the other hand, he was impressed with Danny. And Charlie wanted to look and sound like Danny. But Danny, of all things, well, well he had a, a hero, a mentor as well. And Danny, it turns out, wanted to be like, well, he wanted to be like Adam. So Adam was imitating Bobby, who was imitating Charlie, who wanted to be like Danny, who all this time was just watching what Adam was doing and doing the same thing. See, it turns out all Adam had to do was be himself. You be you. Don't try to be your parents or your grandparents. Don't settle to be a bit player in somebody else's story. You say, well, Papa drove a truck and Dad drove a truck, so I guess I'll drive a truck. Or, you know, Nana was a teacher and, and Mama was a teacher, so I guess I'll just, be a, I guess I'll just be a teacher. Or everyone in my family, well, they're all engineers or, or they're all bankers or everybody's been in the military or they've all farmed and, well, you know, everybody in my family preaches and everybody in my family plays ball or they dance or they sing or, well, you just fill in the blank. What is it that you think you have to do because it's your family business? You be you. Or what is it that you think you have to do in order to, to earn the acceptance of your peer group? You think you have to dress a certain way or talk a certain way? Behave a certain way? Do you, do you think you have to eat certain foods or attend certain schools? Do you think you have to take certain classes? That you have to play in certain sport teams? Why don't just you be you? Because if you don't, what you risk is a dull and joyless and fruitless life. It's like trying to play a song that was written for someone else. It's like trying to, to sing a tune that was all made for someone else's voice. You know, not every tuba player has the ability to direct an orchestra. Now, if you can do that, then go for it. But otherwise, if you can't, I mean, just blast away on your tuba, you know? I mean, you just be the best tuba player that you can be. You be you. I love what Paul wrote to the churches of Galatia, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 4. He said, each of you should pay careful attention to your own work. And then, if you do that, you're going to get satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. You be you. You see, God has made every person unique. And he did so with the intent of utilizing your uniqueness, not merely to build up your kingdom, but to expand his. However, because of our sinful desires, we focused our unique talents and our skills on selfish pursuits. And as a result, Scripture tells us that, you know what? Well, we were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other, we're told. You see, sin began to focus our attention on what we wanted and on what others had. But then Jesus invited us to enjoy a new life in God's sweet spot. He saved us, Paul wrote to Titus. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out his Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
And get this, that outpouring of the Spirit released the full nature of our giftedness. We receive the fullness of our inheritance as we allow God's Spirit to access our talents and our skills and our passions, all these things that make us unique. And no longer are we using our uniqueness just to serve ourselves in our own self-interest, but instead we realize we're supposed to use these passions, these talents, to serve others. And you know, it could be that living in God's sweet spot reveals a giftedness that you never knew that you even possessed. Throughout the history of the church, God's Spirit has empowered the giftedness of individuals as needed for that time. You see, your skill set is not accidental. And your uniqueness is not by chance. But here's the question. What have you been doing with what God has given you? And how have you been allowing God to use it? Or to put it a different way. What unique territory does God desire to send you and your unique gifts? Where does he want you? Joshua says, all right, tribe of Judah. All right, here's what I want. You guys, you're going to go to the central area. This is going to be yours. Dan, where's everybody in Dan? Great, Dan, you guys are going to be on the coast, all right? You guys go and enjoy. And Jesus says, hey, Joe, you're going to make your place in the hospital. And Mary, you're going to be great with working with numbers. And Susan, you have great compassion. And, and you're going to flourish working with the poor and the hurting. You see, I truly believe that God has a territory for each of us to flourish in. And you say, well, where is that? I mean, really, where, where is that going to be? Well, your ability reveals your destiny. What is it that you do well? What do people ask you to do again? What tasks come easily to you? Your skill set is going to lead you to your territory. And when you arrive there, it's not going to be money and it's not going to be benefits that cause you to put down roots. It's going to be the optimal impact, the sweet spot that you are living in as God is having an impact on you and the people that are in your sphere of influence. So you be you. Jesus was insistent on this. After his resurrection, he went to Peter and said, look, I've got this assignment for you. He said, you're going to feed my sheep. He said, you're, you're going to take care of my people. And the fisherman responded by looking around, and he saw his buddy John. He's like, all right, but what about him? You're telling me I'm going to have to make sacrifices for your kingdom. But what about this guy? And Jesus responded and said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? But as for you, follow me. In other words, don't you worry about another person's assignment. Focus on your own. Dwell in your territory. You know what? I think this is great advice for us individually, but also as a church body. It can be so easy to get caught up with what another ministry is doing or what another church across town has going on. I mean, just like every one of you is unique, so too is every ministry in this city and, and every church body. Our church family here at East Brainerd is very unique. We've been given a unique territory, as it were. And, and because of that, we look different than Concord Baptist looks, and, and we look different than Christ United Methodist. And we don't even look the same as Clear Creek Church of Christ or Oodawa Church of Christ. They have their uniqueness, and we have ours. And we're attempting to use our uniqueness, our unique giftedness, to move others closer to a life-restoring relationship with Jesus Christ. They have their uniqueness, and we have ours. And what we do here, the way in which we worship, the way we disciple, the way we serve, the way that we share the good news of Jesus, the way we encourage, all of these things are going to continue to be unique to us as a church body. 
And sure, there are going to be times when, when the way in which we choose to go about accomplishing God's mission, well, it will cause us then to look like other churches and other religious bodies around us. But there are also going to be times when the way that we choose to go about accomplishing God's mission will look nothing, nothing at all like the religious groups around us. EB is going to be EB. Serving God in our unique territory with our unique giftedness. And we're going to celebrate what others around us are doing. But we're not going to compare assignments and, and we're not going to compete for territory. We will be EB. You be you. Now one more thing and we'll wrap things up this morning. Let's get one final Let's get one final kind of observation here from Joshua. You know, I mentioned earlier how that when he divided up the land, he calls up Judah and he gets Dan and Zebulun, all these others, and he starts distributing everything. But there were a few tribes who actually received land on the east side of the Jordan. The tribes of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh actually settled outside of, of the boundary of what we normally consider to be Canaan. Uh, they settled in what was known as the Transjordan Valley. So here's what happened. As the Hebrews approached Canaan and before they crossed the Jordan, representatives from Gad and Reuben go to Moses and, and they're like, hey, we would like to stay here because this area is great for all of our, these large herds that we have. I mean, we've got all these animals. This would be great to raise them. And initially Moses balked at the idea, fearing that, well, if the people from Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, if they built towns just on the opposite side of Canaan, well, the other tribes might want to do so as well. and They won't go in and, and receive the full inheritance. And Moses also thought that perhaps these tribes just didn't want to get into the fight. And so a long story short, Moses made a deal with the three tribes. He said if, if their fighting men would accompany the rest of the Hebrews into Canaan and, and help them secure the land, then at the end of it all, they could go back and, and be with their families and, and their inheritance would be the area that they requested just to the east of Canaan. And so here's what the tribes told Moses. They said, we will arm ourselves and lead our fellow Israelites into battle until we have brought them safely to their land. And meanwhile, our families, well, they're going to stay in fortified towns that we built here so they will be safe from attacks of any local people. And we will not return to our homes until all the people of Israel have received their portions of the land. So Moses goes to Joshua and says, look, here's, here's what's going to happen. And it's told to the other tribes the arrangement that's been made. And then he warns the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh. And he says, if you fail to keep your word, then you will have sinned against the Lord, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Now, anybody ever heard that phrase before? Right? Your meemaw used that phrase, right? Right before you went out of the house and she wanted to make sure their heirs weren't going to do anything to embarrass her, and she said, hey, 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 you be sure your sin will find you out. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is that you're going to be out there doing, people are going to find out. It's going to be known. And you had no idea that Meemaw got that here from, from Moses, did you? It was first spoken by Moses to remind a group of Hebrews of their responsibility to help others experience their sweet spot. And so for seven years, the men of Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh fought alongside the other Hebrew tribes, even though they themselves would not dwell in that Canaan land. Now, I want you to think about that. They risked their families, their herds, and their lives in order to make sure that others would know the joy of a promised land life. And when the conquest of Canaan was completed, we're told that Joshua called all together, got all the tribes, and he, he 
looks at Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and he told them, You have done as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and you have obeyed every order I have given you. During all this time, you have not deserted the other tribes. You have been careful to obey the commands of the Lord your God right up to this present day, and now the Lord your God has given the other tribes rest as he promised them. So go back home to the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you as your possession on the east side of the Jordan River. You know, I think that we all can look back and think of men and women who were not content to merely enjoy their own sweet spot life with God, but walked beside us so that we might know the joy of the Lord as well. And some were able to witness the reward of their sacrifice, while others invested in God's kingdom in such a way that even though they themselves would not reap the rewards, they happily sacrificed knowing that others would come after them who would be blessed by an inheritance from God. I couldn't help but think this week about Dr. Tommy Hayes and his sweet wife, Miss Sarah. Their focus in life was encouraging others to enjoy the promised land of God. And as a result, this very day, there are family and friends and strangers alike who know what it means to live with God. And here's the deal. Our church family, you know, whether you knew Dr. Hayes or, or, or whether you knew Miss Sarah or if you've come to us since since they had to stay up on the mountain at home, our church family is going to continue to be blessed in the future because of their commitment to expanding God's kingdom. And so I believe that we all must ask ourselves, what sacrifices are we going to make in order to ensure that others receive their spiritual inheritance? You see, it can be easy to sit back and enjoy our spiritual routines, easy to become comfortable but there are other individuals who need our help. I mean, just like, just like Gad and Reuben and Manasseh, we have to be willing to sacrifice so that others can know the blessings of God. And understand, we might never get to enjoy the monies that are spent or the ministries that are begun or the churches that are planted. But others, others, future generations, will know the goodness of God's inheritance because of what we choose to do now. And I love how the three tribes were praised by Joshua for not deserting the other tribes. Did you catch that in the passage? He said, you didn't desert the others when you could have. You know, I pray in the future the same will be said of our church body. That we didn't abandon the tribes of our children and teens as, as they were coming to a faith in Christ, even though they would offer praise differently than us. And we didn't abandon the tribes of seekers as they were asking tough questions about faith, even though their conclusions were different than ours. And we didn't abandon the nuns as they shouted that religion was meaningless to them, even though their expressions of faith differed from, from our expressions of faith. And we didn't abandon those who were struggling with sin, and we didn't abandon those who were searching for community, and we didn't abandon those who were hurting in our presence. I pray that in the future it will be said of us that that we left behind the comfort and security of our own spiritual reward in order to ensure someone else was able to rest in God's kingdom. Now, wouldn't that be unique? Wouldn't that be different? You know, when our kids were younger, we watched a lot of episodes of a cartoon called The Backyardigans. Anybody remember that? Man, that show was awesome. Yeah, there was a moose named Tyrone, and there was a hippopotamus named Tasha, a penguin that was named Pablo. There was a kangaroo named Austin. 
And they would all meet up in somebody's backyard and, and they would have all these amazing adventures of imagination. They battled pirates and they climbed mountains. They discovered treasures. Man, they sang some awesome songs all before supper time. And then supper time would come and they would all go their separate ways. And... But there was also a character named Uniqua. Yeah, Uniqua. That's her or him or it, I don't know. With the pink skin and purple spots and dainty antennas, she wasn't like any other species on the planet. She was Uniqua. And Nickelodeon described her this way, as a one-of-a-kind character with an adventurous nature. Guys, do you understand that that is exactly how God views you? That he has made you unique. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made for an adventure lived out with him. You are unique. You are that one-of-a-kind character. Our church body here at this time and place is unique. There's nobody else in town like us. And I truly believe that our best days with God are ahead. I believe that your best days with God are ahead of you. The question is, how long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that our Lord God has given you? How long will you sit back and allow others to enjoy the sweet spot? And how long will you just go through the motions? And, and how long until you say, you're right, God, it is you and only you. And, and how long before you fully submit to Christ? And, and how long before you delve into the Word? And, and how long before you say, you know what? It's not about me. It's about bringing the others along and introducing them to Jesus and allowing them to know this is what a promised land life looks like. Guys, your sweet spot with God is within your grasp. So you be you and let God be God and go experience the joy of a promised land life. Will you join me in prayer, please? Father, thank you for making us all so different. And thank you for the unique callings that we all have. And thank you for the unique territories that you have placed us in and the abilities that we have to, to influence so many unique individuals in unique circumstances. Thank you for accepting us in our sin and, and not leaving us there. For, for letting us know that sin is only part of our story and that, that we still have an inheritance to enjoy. And, and Father, we thank you for the fact that Thank you for the fact that we can go to, to letters like the one we find written called Joshua and, and see your power and to see your leading and to see how you, you worked in the lives of your people and have it remind us of, of how you desire to be in our life today. Father, we want to enjoy the sweet spot. We want to know what it's like to have the joy of a promised land life. Our prayer is that we would be that people, that we would be that individual, and that we would use our uniqueness in order to expand your kingdom. Thank you for the amazing journey that you have set us on. We look forward to when our journey ends. And we join others who have gone on before, who have paved the way, and who have been waiting patiently for us. And together, we will worship and praise the one Praise the one that made us so unique. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray today. Amen. Hey, we're going to sing again to encourage one another.
And we want you to know that if you'd like to talk about this message in any way, anything that's happened today, even the fire alarm's going off, we have one of our elders who will be in our prayer room back in our lobby if you'd like to go and speak with someone in private. Uh, if you'd like to respond this morning saying, hey, I'd like to be baptized into Christ. I want everybody to know about it. We'll have a couple of our elders who will be here down front be glad to, to receive you, to talk with you about, about that. We'll celebrate together. Let's encourage one another. Let's stand and sing.